Hey, Nate. What's up? I got a challenge for you. What's the challenge, bud? You can't say more than two bad things about Nebraska this week. Neither can I. Okay, sure. More than two, like, negative or, well, this team is, like, going in the dumpster fire type thing. So like, It'll be a short segment on the Huskers. Short, short, se- short Let's keep it short on the Huskers is what I'm saying. All right. All right. So, Wisconsin, 37. Nebraska, 21. 16-point loss for the Huskers. Better than expected. I mean, it was better than expected. We put up over 500 yards on Wisconsin defense, one of the best in the country. Second best in the country, actually. Well, rated. Well, I mean, still, I said one of the best in the country. We looked good at times. Uh, We looked like we took a clear step up. The offensive line looked a lot better than it has in previous weeks. I'm going to stop you right there because we should mention this is the second string. This is Nate Mobach and Alex Fernando talking to you all about your Husker football, your college football News, analysis, scores, predictions. Continue. I mean, the offensive line looked better. We looked like we could actually run the ball a little bit more than we could in weeks past. Uh, Martinez looked pretty bad a couple weeks ago, but he looked better. He looked like he was rebounding. Still missing some open receivers. Still, yeah, still missing some open that was, receivers. That was, my, that was one of mine. But for for the most part, I think he looked like he took a step up. I thought the play calling was a little bit better this time around. Mixing in tempo. Yeah. Overall, it was an encouraging step, and I don't know. It, we, we still lost this team. I don't even think it's a negative thing to say. This team is just it's not very good this season. I think you're right. Nebraska just doesn't have it this season. Uh, not the way Husker fans wanted it. Not the way college football wanted it. Yeah. Um, but a better loss than most Yeah. on this season for Nebraska. A more forgivable loss than the past two weeks. Oh, for sure. And one thing... Like you noted, the offense played really well. Offensive line probably had their best game of the season. Dedrick Mills averaging 11 yards a carry. Um, Martinez played fairly well. Not a lot of mistakes. Again, still working on those reads, missing some open receivers, uh, thrown into coverage at times. But the receivers are starting to get a little more separation, which is new. They're starting to go downfield. I only counted a handful of tunnel screens and bubble screens. Yeah. So improved play calling. Uh I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go real quick on my one-two negatives again. Mart- I already said Martinez still missing some open receivers, still needs to like work on that progression, and coaches obviously still have a lot to do with him. That quick decision-making there, he's just, again, he's not making f- uh, reads downfield, he's not deciding when to run. He was holding the ball far too long. Yep. And then tackling. Can, yeah. it, can this team tackle anybody? Can anybody on this defense tackle? It's so it's so frustrating because you just see so many players just miss and shoulder tackle. I mean, obviously, you can get on DiCaprio Boodle, who looked like the absolute worst of it. By all indications, he's a good dude, but man, he just he just could not wrap up to save his life. I mean, nobody in the secondary can wrap up to save their life. Lamar Jackson can't do it. Dismute can't do it. Our linebackers can't do it. Mo Berry gets run over every other play, which is frustrating. Good job, senior captain. Uh Alex Davis still can't tackle. Connor Miller is completely over pursues. You know, I'm, I'm tying that into my tackling, so that's, that's yeah, no, part it, two of the. Negative, I know, but. I know, I know what you're saying. That's one of mine too. Uh, my other big one takeaway from this game is, gosh, Frost. I don't know. I don't want to. I feel like an armchair coach just going play calling. That's such an easy excuse to make where you don't actually have to explain what you mean. You could just say vaguely, "Oh, the play calling is bad." So it might be that. It might be just our talent on the field, but this Husker team cannot convert 
drives into scores. We are one of the worst in the nation to do that. We had the ball inside Wisconsin's 34 times. You know how many points we got out of that? I'm going to guess zero. We got we got a touchdown. Oh, we the, got seven points. Yeah, we had the one inside the goal yeah, line. Yeah. We, we scored a touchdown, missed a field goal, and then turned it over on downs two times. Because we didn't feel comfortable attempting the field goals. Yeah. Or we were down too much that we had to go for a touchdown. This team, we saw it against Purdue, too. Four turnovers inside the Purdue Indiana, same way. We couldn't finish drives. This team just struggles to put the ball in the end zone. And like I said, I don't know if that's play calling. I don't know if that's the offensive talent. I mean, we were missing Wondell Robinson, who's our best player on the team. Really kind of weird because we had one of our better offensive performances all year, I think. Yeah, again, the offense looked really impressive at times against Wisconsin, opening up massive lanes for Dedrick Mills to run run through. Martinez ran the ball well when he decided to run. Uh, made some very nice passes, hit open receivers, and it just seemed like the offense was moving the ball down the field until they got to about the 30 or 25 of Wisconsin, and then it all completely fell apart and shut down. Yeah, and it's like what I said. It's this team struggles to put together. It's like we had those four drives. We had the one where we were driving. I think we were at the 35 or the 40, and then Martinez took like a 15-yard sack. The 20-yard sack, actually, 20-yard yes. sack, and we were just like— He had Austin Allen wide open in the corner of the end zone. Or, or you just— And see, that's one thing, again, tying back to my Martinez dig— uh, which isn't much of a dig. He, the man, the kid, whatever you want to call him, the quarterback, he needs to improve, and that's his job. The coach's job are to help him get to his job and his accomplishments. He does not look to his left. All of his reads are always on the right, and when he has a read to the left, it's usually wide open because he had Austin Allen floating, easy floater, back corner of the end zone, it's a touchdown. Yet he doesn't look left. He gets pressure from the left side, runs right, it doesn't throw the way, gets a 20-yard sack. It's just frustrating, and it speaks to the fact that, you know, this team just shoots itself in the foot every time it seems like there's a good thing happening. Better on penalties, though. Yes, no. Only, only a couple penalties. Like I said, this team looks improved from a couple weeks ago. Listen, everybody thought they were going to lose this game coming in. I thought they were going to lose this game by 30 points. I th- yeah, I thought it would be a much worse scoreboard. I thought I had 38 to 10. And I mean, maybe that's a negative on us if we're just like, hey, we only lost by 16. Progress. In the grand scheme of things, I don't think well, any. You, you Husker... look at Frost's post-game interview, and he's just like, "Yeah, if we can, if we can keep teams under thirty, you know, we'll be at a good spot." Oh really? Like, oh really, Coach? Uh, okay, first of all, thirty is your benchmark for your defense. Well, if, you're playing we, at the Big Ten. If, I if mean, you, if come you look on. at the stats, we've allowed less under thirty points under Frost like three times total, and like close to tw- like sixteen games. Regardless, I don't think 30 should be your benchmark. I mean, maybe a stepping stone point, but not like your top-level benchmark point for your defense. Yeah, I don't know. Frost himself, I think, showed a lot of frustration in his post-game press conference Definitely. for the defense and for the lack of defensive coaching. I Interesting to see what he'll do with Shenander. I know they're like – I think they're like best friends. Shenander like was his best man. In his I know. Wedding. I don't and see I, Shenander leaving anytime soon. No, I don't either, which – Especially with – okay – I'm going to count this separate as my negative point. Where did this two-year extension come from? Please explain this to me, Nate. I mean, these types of extensions usually come into play in terms of recruiting. So the coach, when they go on recruiting visits, can say, hey, look, I'm signed for five more years. I'm going to be here for as long as your kid, mom or dad, is going to be at Nebraska. I understand that. But he has another five years on his contract already. Yeah. I. So why add another two at the moment? He's not even done with his second season. He's not going anywhere. No team is going to hire him away from Nebraska. Nebraska's not going to fire him. We don't have the money to fire him. 
mean, we do have the money to fire him, but we probably have the money to fire. We have the we have no need to fire him. Everybody's behind this man and this coach. All the athletic department is. All the fans are. I don't know. And I'm I certainly am as a fan and as as a media analyst. I think he's taking this team in the right direction. It's just a slow process. I don't see the timing of this extension relevant. I don't think it's the right time because there's again all those factors. He's not going to be hired away. He's not going to leave on his own, and we're not going to fire him. There's no need to say, hey, you can stay an extra couple of years. And also, I want proof. As a fan, as a media analyst, as a football person, as a football analyst, I want proof that this team is for sure headed in the right direction. I know. We think it is. We have a couple glimpses here and there. There needs to be more on the table. He has plenty of time to get his work done. Two more years right now looks a lot different rather than two years down the road. Yeah. If you give him that contract extension, sorry, I keep cutting you off here, but if you give him that contract extension at the end of year three, year four, that's more sustainable. That's That makes more sense to me. No, it, it does. It does. I Again, I have no idea what motivated Moose in the athletic department to put this two-year extension. Maybe it was just to quell some kind of fan unrest, to quell some kind of national media unrest. I don't, I don't particularly buy it. I've... I am very unsure of why. And I'm sure they wholeheartedly believe that Frost is the guy, and that's why they did this. Now is not the time to say that. No, I know. We already know that he's the guy. He has a seven year contract. That's what you gave him to begin with. Yeah. So you know he's going to be here. You know you're not going to kick him out. Let it ride a little bit. Yeah, I I agree. Let, Let that be the last time we talk about the Huskers today. Uh, yes, indeed. There were some, other, got, there are some other, teams, other good games. Other teams, other games. A lot of playoff implication games going on, Actually, Nate. I mean, there were two sort of big ones. I would say there was one really big one, uh, and then there were two kind of big ones. The first really big one was Baylor, Oklahoma. The 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock game on ESPN last night. The Bears coming out strong, 28-3 to at halftime. It was 31-10 at halftime. It was 30 to okay, so the, 20, ba- the Baylor, Baylor didn't score three, a single like, point like, in the second half. Yeah, 28-3, like mid-second quarter, 31-10 at halftime. Incredible comeback by Oklahoma. Largest comeback in school history. Great defensive performance in the second half. Baylor had a couple big, costly turnovers. But, man, how do you lose that momentum? The Bears, ah, Matt Rule, Matt Rule, doing the Scott Frost halftime adjustments. Uh, Lincoln Riley proving once again he's one of the best coaches in college football. You said you weren't going to mention Nebraska again. Why? Why you pull Frost into this? I'm sorry, I I I completely forgot about what I said one minute earlier. But no, uh, Baylor just came out looked flat. Everybody was like, "Oh, Baylor!" They they played the montage of Baylor winning very close games in double overtime and triple overtime, and you go, "Okay, Baylor's a pretender. They're a poser. They're going to lose three games and in the final three games, and they're they're we're going to look at them and go, oh, why did we ever think they might have had a shot for the playoffs? Come out twenty eight to three, and you go, "Oh my gosh!" There's ten minutes left in the second quarter, and Baylor is up by twenty five points. Like this is yeah. going to be a bloodbath. It looked like they were rolling, and I think. The biggest hiccup for Baylor and the biggest reason they lost this game is the lack of a rushing attack. They didn't push for a rushing attack much. Jordan Lovett, they're back. Basically nowhere to, nowhere in existence in this game. Uh, their quarterback, Brewer, he was the leading rusher with 65 yards and two TDs. He ran very well. You need to complement him with a running back. 
He's not their primary rusher for a reason. You have running backs for a reason. You need the complement. He threw very well for most of the game. You obviously have the big play receiver with Mims. The offense was doing really well in the first half. Counter that balance with a running game. One last thing on the Bears, you're going to see them again. This is a rematch of the Big 12 championship uh, of just about a month. Oklahoma-Baylor, that's going to be the Big 12 championship. I know, and uh, the winner of that might be in the playoffs. Yeah, Baylor's not completely out of the playoff race. Again, it's a tight loss to Oklahoma, who's, again, playoff caliber yeah, team. Yeah, if they win the rest of their games, beat Oklahoma in the championship game, I think they're still right on the doorstep. A contender, they need some help, though. Maybe they need a little bit of help. With the playoff put pit picture, I, it's really interesting. The other two semi-big games, yeah, one was, team Minis- that needs help. was Minnesota and Iowa. Minnesota went into Iowa. Iowa scored its first three possessions. It was 21-0. Minnesota came back. They looked like they were going to take the lead, and their receiver just dropped the easiest slant pass ever on fourth yeah. down. And, and then there were... There was the penalty, too, but then P.J. Fleck running onto the field, screaming at the referees, just uh, blew up, mitigated the other penalty, so they all kind of offset. Iowa gets the turnover on downs when Minnesota could have had a first and goal at the doorstep. Yes, it's a high-strung game, high emotions. You're ready. You're running out there to protecting your players. you got to let the refs do their job. Yeah. It's, let, let the play sit for a minute. Really, let, let things happen. Really costly for another young coach, young P5 coach and PJ Fleck, a learning lesson of, hey, just can't do that. Let, it costs you Let team. it ride. I mean, again, Minnesota, still not technically dead. They have Wisconsin. They, yeah, have, they have a big game against Wisconsin at home. Uh, they can go to the Big Ten Championship victory. That's in a couple weeks. They yeah. Have, um, but they, I thought they played really well. Great comeback. Um, they have an easy quote-unquote, easy game at Northwestern next week. Should be a very manageable win for this team, which, again, offensively, they did not perform well, but can light up the score if they they have talent. talent. They have talent across the board on offense. Tyler Johnson still finished the game with 170 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, no. It's it, it was a tough it was a tough loss for Minnesota. They're not technically dead, but they've got to, you know, yeah, they've got to gather they gotta I don't actually think Minnesota needs some help. If they win all their games, they'll be in. Yeah, if they were to beat an Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship and a likely unbeaten Ohio State. Yeah, that'll that will put them in. The other sort of big game because it didn't have very big implications because they ended up winning handily against a not very good Mississippi State team was Alabama lost to a Tagovailoa for the season, dislocated his hip. Literally, Saban, after the game, was like, that was his last series he was going to play in the entire game. You, it's, you, very, it's tough. You hate to see it, first of all, obviously. No. You hate to see any kind of injury. You really hate to see an injury on a player who not only means so much to his team, but so much to the college football landscape and the hey, college football world. Tua is one of the best players in the nation, and he is fun to watch. He is. Whether you root for Alabama or not, he's a great player to watch. I you know it's just, it's just so frustrating to see great players, any player really, go down with an injury. And he's, and he's like battled this. injuries for most of his career now, and uh, I've heard rumors that this is a similar injury to what Bo Jackson had, uh, shortening his career. Um, hopefully, that's not the case with Tua, but just a, a rough win for Alabama. It was, and I mean, like they ended up winning by twenty or thirty points, but it was just like, whoof. And I mean. If you're the playoff committee, where does this where does this put Alabama on you? Are, are they still number five? Can you honestly say that without Tua, they're one of the top eight, nine teams in the country? Their defense, Alabama's defense, which is not something you normally see every year, 
is just not very good this year. They also lost they also they lost, lost Raquan Raquan Davis, who is yeah. their best defensive player too. He got carted off. I don't know what the status of his injury is, but he looks like he's seriously hurt as well. Like if you're the committee, is is Alabama going to start to slip? Is your are you going to be like you can't base it off of injuries? You have to go on their performance. If Bama goes out and wins their next couple games, if they knock Auburn pretty good, LSU goes obviously to the SEC championship most likely, unless yeah. LSU loses a couple games, which is probably not going to happen with Arkansas and Texas A and M left on their schedule. But if Bama's sitting outside there, you can't base it off injuries. Yeah, but if you're the playoff committee and you're saying. 12, you know, 11 and 1 Alabama versus a 12 and 1 Big 12 champ Oklahoma or a 12 and 1 Pac 12 champion Oregon or Utah. You seriously going to tell me that Alabama without Tua is more deserving of a spot than those two teams? No, because they would have the conference championship. Yeah. Bama's in a tough spot because they don't have the conference championship this year. They have to rely on other people to lose. Yeah. That Bama's Bama's one that needs help. Yes. They need a lot more help than uh, the aforementioned Minnesota team. So the college, the college football playoff picture is looking really interesting. Um, we have Obviously, last week we had the new number one with LSU. Ohio State basically had a bye week playing Rutgers, not having any issues there. Clemson, number three. Yeah. Clemson, Clemson finally. Clemson, yeah, they, started, they look like they're rolling again. Clemson, LSU, Ohio State all look like they're rolling into the playoffs. I know LSU has... I mean, even if they drop the game to Texas A&M, they have that one test against Georgia. They have, and and everybody's dogging on Clemson because their schedule is not panned out, and they had Texas A&M earlier. A&M just doesn't look as strong. Since that close call with North Carolina, they have scored no fewer than 45 points. No, they, and, they look And good. they've had four straight games over 50, and keeping their opponents to 14 or fewer points in each of the last six contests. Clemson is statistically better than last year. Yeah. Okay? Statistically better than last year. No, Trevor Lawrence threw for two, 275, four touchdowns yesterday. Yeah. And they were playing Wake Forest, who... It's a good team. It's a solid team. Solid team. 13th best offense in the nation, statistically. Yeah. No, uh, Clemson's scary, and I think Ohio State is the best team in the country right now. Top to bottom, I'm, I'm rolling with the Buckeyes. I think that, that defense with Chase Young coming back uh, against Penn State and their secondary plan as well as they are. Then you have, just have Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins, and all their playmakers on offense. There's just too much to stop with Ohio State. Yeah. I mean, and if I... I'm, I'm anxious to see when we get to that Final Four. Um, right now, if it, you dropped it everything right now, my playoff would be Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, and probably Oregon. The Georgia Oregon debate is going to be really tricky in a little in a couple of weeks, especially if Georgia and Oregon both win the SEC um, championships and the Pac-12 championships. We'll have to see because LSU is obviously in that mix as well. I think I think it's a zero sum game when we're looking at it at the end of the season. I think it's going to be whoever's on the SEC side. That's going to be Georgia or LSU. Whoever wins, I think LSU looks like by far the better team than LSU Georgia does. does. It's going to be them. Clemson's going to roll the ACC. There's nobody in the ACC that can even hold a candle we're, to them. We're very close to having seven different or division winners in the Coastal Division in the ACC in seven different years. If Virginia wins the Coastal this year, it'll be seven straight years of a new team against uh, in the ACC championship Gosh, in that division. That, that, that's a weird division. It's such a weird division. Uh, and then Ohio State, I mean, listen, Penn State, fine team. Michigan, 
got their season together. They look like a completely solid team. Ohio State's going to roll both of them by yeah. 20, 30 points. Oh, yeah. No, Ohio State's top to bottom, the best team in the nation. And So it's those three. And then for that final spot, you're looking at... You got a you got one-loss Pac-12 champion, Utah or Oregon. I mean, they both look really good. They look they both look like one and two in that conference. Yeah. I think, Oregon's, gonna be, I think Oregon's better than Utah. That defense, though, at Utah. That Utah. defense at Utah. Like, Oregon hasn't faced anything like that yet. No, but Utah's offense also has struggled they kind of rolled yesterday against ucla but ucla is not super good ucla was in the pac-12 south hunt going into that game oh, i know you know? i know I, pac-12 is also kind of a weird conference and then it's you're going to either have a choice between them or probably oklahoma or baylor it's it's coming down to the wire here um with some of these teams and it's november it's late november mid-november teams lose there's conference championships there's late game or late season rivalries that still have to be played. There's a lot still to happen in college football, but I think, I think you're right. Those, those are the kind of big players when it comes to the college football playoff landscape. I think conference championships are going to play a very big factor this year, bigger than other years in previous seasons where again, Bam was able to slip in a couple years ago against Georgia because Auburn lost the conference championship and Bam was sitting on the outside. This year, conference championships are going to play a much bigger factor. Yep, I would say so. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Well, we got a few more weeks left of college football, and we'll have all the news, all the analysis for you. For Nate Mobach, Alex Fernando, you were listening to The Second String. We appreciate it. This is your favorite college football podcast. We know it. We love it. You love it. And hopefully the Huskers can go bowling. We got It's crunch time. All I want for Christmas. <laughs> Later, folks. See ya.